hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Sucker Time. The number one award-seeking comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw. Yes, it's me, Mark Hershon, your host and drum major for Epi 114, the Labor Day edition of Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast. And this is another Succotash Clips installment, loading up a lot of clips because in a few weeks I'll be down at the fourth annual LA Podcast Festival and I will have a pile of interviews from our stakeout in the Squarespace Podcast Lab. So that means there'll be a bunch of Succotash Chats episodes right around the corner. For this show, I've harvested some of the clips and have had some sent in by comedy podcasters just like you. If, that is, you are a comedy podcaster. Of course, if you're just a listener to comedy podcasts, you can drop me a line at Mark, M-A-R-C, at SuckatashShow.com. Let me know the show you like. I will send our erstwhile associate producer, Tyson Saner, out to clip an episode. And for you comedy podcasters, you can even upload your clip directly to us via our customized upload link at Hightail.com slash you slash Succotash. And that link is also up at our SuckatashShow.com website, so it's easy as pie to send us a three to five minute MP3 clip. On the show this time around, we're featuring clips from Broken Filter. Geek Blast, Grabbing Lunch, 98 Problems, Rude Alchemy, Stab, and Tall Tales with our friend Abner Surd. We also have a double dose of Durst, political comedian, social commentator Will Durst, that is, with two of our Burst of Durst segments, a visit to the podcast graveyard, a brand new Henderson's Pants commercial, and a dip into the old tweet sack. Hello, Tweety. Coming up live this month on Thursday evening, September 17th, I will be hosting an evening of inspirational, informative speakers as part of the TEDx Marin event. I'm just there to keep things moving, but it's a great slate of speakers that you can't see because I just found out the event sold out. So why am I telling you about it? Guess I'm just bragging. Right after that, Friday through Sunday, September 18th through the 20th, I'll be, as I said, at the Los Angeles Podcast Festival. And you can be there, too, because that is not sold out. Ticks and deets are available at LAPodFest.com, and you can look for me with my Succotash merch, mics, and mayhem in the Squarespace Podcast Lab. All right, let's kick this epi into motion with the first burst of Durst, wherein Will is giving us his take on the length of the election process. Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few choice words about the constant whining about how the American presidential election process is too long. You gotta be kidding. This must be a crude example of joking on your part. Surely you moonlight as a professional leg puller. This 18-month, 24-7 campaigning is wonderful for comedians. Every day, we are guaranteed footage of one of the 17 gazillion Republicans tripping over their own open mouth, sprawling in a manner not unreminiscent of possum roadkill. And on the other side of the information highway, sit in the shade and watch another little piece of Hillary Clinton being stripped right off the bone. This is reality TV at its best. Did people complain that the Kardashian show ran too long? Well, yeah, all right, lately. But why not? Because the participants keep finding creative, compromising positions. Same is true with this Motley crew. So here they are, the top ten bright sides of having a campaign longer than most people's ability to feign interest. Number ten. 
Mike Huckabee might actually break the world record for nonstop cluelessness. Number nine, plenty of time for Joe Biden to make up his mind whether he's running or not. Or not. Number eight, if Donald Trump hasn't insulted your particular interest group yet, don't worry, he'll get around to it eventually. Number seven, every single day you can watch Bernie Sanders become older and crankier. Number six, plenty of time for Rick Perry to extend his Hey, I'm Really Smart makeover with an Albert Einstein haircut. Number five, can count on at least 16 or 17 more Hillary email dumps before the first primary. Number four, Jeb Bush can perfect his answer to that nagging question, what would you have done in Iraq? Number three, see Marco Rubio earn that touch of gray above the sideburns he so desperately desires. Number two, it gives Scumwalker time to scrub his name off the Ashley Madison client list. And the number one bright side of having a campaign longer than most people's ability to feign interest, more Benghazi hearings. For Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast, I'm Will Durst. Or not, or not. If you'd like to catch Durst in his natural habitat, surf on over to WillDurst.com or find his tweets at WillDurst on Twitter. Plus, we'll have a second hit from Will at the end of this episode, so don't go far. This past week, for my podcast review on SplitSider.com and the Huffington Post, rather than just listen to a single episode of a show, I gobbled up the entire third season of a podcast called Rude Alchemy. The season's only five episodes, and they're pretty short, so I don't want you thinking I was really going crazy. The title for the season is The Plague Clowns, and it's a really well-put-together show. Solid writing and performances, a layered story, two stories actually, which is compelling enough to make you want to binge listen the hell out of it. Links to my reviews are up on the blog piece for this episode at SuckatashShow.com, and I thought I'd play the uh, chunk from episode one of The Plague Clowns where the six main characters are introduced. A soft glow of light grows steadily in a darkened forest. The light forms further, hardens to a blade, then a beam. A brilliant luster cutting through the night, illuminating the blackness. The Renaissance. Scything through the sickening thickness of the Dark Ages came dazzling developments in art, science, literature, philosophy, geography, medicine, and theater. Our light that spills upon the inky trees is held by practitioners of that very artifice. Two downtrodden players, one drifting toward decrepitude, the other not yet with whiskers on his face, both a long way from bustling Britain, follow the light of their hearty lantern as they stalk the woods of the European continent's outer edge. Wolston? Wolston? Wolston! Yes, Miles. You know what I'm going to ask you? I do. How much farther to Pal go? Well, then? The sun will be up soon. Let's ponder the timing of that instead. I am thoroughly convinced this town does not actually exist. The young are easily convinced of many things. And the old are easily convinced they are beyond convincing. Miles, my boy, the old are beyond a great many things. They are not beyond death. Don't be so certain. What's that there? A low-hanging tree limb. Oh, I thought it might be the icy arm of death. For that particular tree, perhaps. I'm not convinced. I didn't expect you would be. Oh, the English. Meanwhile, in another part of this darkened wood, another pair of performers trudge. These fellows are just as shabby and exhausted as Wollstone and Miles, but are Italianate in origin. 
The first man walks as stiff and upright as his perfect moustache and carries a small sword on his belt. The second man's hobbled gait is almost a frolicking skip. He is dressed in tattered motley and wears the half-mask of a harlequin clown upon his face. Alakino! Alakino! Why do you do this? Why do you do this thing that you know makes me so angry? We walk for miles and miles in good places and bad. We walk in the sun and the shade. We walk in the heat and the rain. We walk on the sharp stones and soft grass. And every time we in the bad places, you start humming. Why? Why you never hum when we in the good places? Does that mean I make things good when I stop humming? It means I make things bad if you keep humming. Bad like a how? I'm thinking maybe I start by cutting off your lips. Silly, eh? Then I couldn't no harm. Then maybe I cut off your fingers. Silly, eh? Then who will carry your gear to Palagol? Then maybe I cut off your nose. Silly, eh? Then maybe I cut off your wiener. Huh? Then maybe I cut off your liver. Celia went on like this, naming all things he could cut off. And Alakina went on saying, Celia! Celia! There it is. Almost like it was planned or something. You would think Alakino's boisterous pronouncement of his partner's name would eventually become less bombastic and hand gestury after such a lengthy list, but you'd be wrong. What? No, Courtney, I don't think it has anything to do with him being Italian. Look, I'm not getting into this with you right now. It's far too early to start talking about race. Meanwhile, in yet another part of the wood, a pair of sunburnt, oily-haired, gold-toothed gypsies ride in a rickety wagon assembled from pilfered, shiny bric-a-brac, their fingers chapped raw from so much chicken thievery, while a cauldron of profane spices that only their exotic cast-iron gullets could digest bubbles and splashes on the path behind them. The gypsy steering the rig has a lively head of luscious dark curls and a trim goatee that you know makes the ladies trip over their long ladies' skirts. The sleeping one is squat, surly-faced with a rough salt-and-pepper beard and various belts and pouches slung across his paunch. Niku. Niku, wake up, sleep-face. Nico, would you like some stew before we arrive at Pelgol? No stew, Damayor. Nico, you need your strength. You have grown lazy riding in the wagon. No stew, Damayor. Hane will not be pulling you across the stage, right, Hane? No stew, Damayor. More for me and Hane, right, Hane? That was from Rude Alchemy Season 3, The Plague Clowns, which you can catch on their home site, RudeAlchemy.com, as well as on iTunes and Stitcher. Incidentally, if you're looking to get your comedy podcast reviewed by one of the gang at This Week in Comedy Podcasts over on Splitsider, you can send an email to podcasts at Splitsider.com. That email then goes out to me and the other folks that are part of that column, and we kind of decide, eh, maybe I'll give that a shot. So uh, Rude Alchemy is one of those ones that came in from the email. So uh, podcast at splitsider.com, that's the address to send it to, and we'll decide whether somebody wants to go tackle your show and contribute to the column that week. So uh, try it out, won't you? Podcasters who are wondering about good ways to get clipped on Succotash obviously don't listen enough to realize that if you can somehow feature me or Succotash or both on your podcast, 
That'll usually do the trick. I was in L.A. a couple of months ago and was invited to chow down by Matt Knudsen, the host of the Grabbing Lunch podcast that, we, that we've that we featured here before. He was at Izzy's Deli in Santa Monica, and we were joined by friend of Succotash, Cole Stratton, the co-host of the Pop My Culture podcast and co-founder of the San Francisco Sketchfest. It was a wide-ranging chat. We even talked about Matt's Hungarian in-laws. We were entertaining her cousins from Hungary, her first cousins. They came out here. They had never been to America before, let alone Los Angeles. And we just did the works for like a week. We went to, oh, I didn't take them, but they, they went to Disneyland. We went to a Sparks game at the Staples Center. These The Hungarians love the Lakers, so just being at the Staples Center was like, oh. took them to Lake Hollywood. We went to Hollywood Boulevard, Sunset. Um, one of my, my brother-in-law, uh, his name is Alan, and he is one of the owners of Legacy Studios, which is basically... He, he used to work at Stan Winston, and when Stan Winston passed away, he did like Jurassic Park and Terminator and all that stuff. He passed away, and four of his managers bought all of his oh. equipment, and they set up their shingle as legacy effects, okay. so they do Iron Man and all those movies, so wow. they took them to the shop, and they were just minds. like, <laughs> went to Venice Beach, Santa Monica, they boogie boarded, they caught waves, and... There's, it's and they, the and they never went home. And they never went home. They're in my luggage. <laughs> right. Let's bring them out. Let's bring them out here. Ladies and gentlemen, Pishti, Agi, Gabor, Juji, and Polly. And now they have their own reality show. And now they, they're here. It's so I was telling my friend I was... Uh, Hungry for Hollywood. <laughs> oh, no. That's what it would be called. I'm ready for that. I was talking to a friend about it. I was like, yeah, I have my family in town from... Uh, and I, I told him their names. He's like, how do you remember all that? He was just like, what's just their names? It's not the language. It's not different words. But he was like so blown away. I don't speak foreign names. I don't speak foreign names. <laughs> Listen, Cole, I just do... English names only. Well, you can pick somebody out that you speak the language by just repeating their names over and over in different sure. combinations. Sure. And also, the first <laughs> le- word I learned in any language is why. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just anytime someone asks you, why? That's <laughs> how I got through France. You know. <laughs> My whole thing. When I was in junior high, I thought it would be better. Like, I don't want to be known as a tourist when you go anywhere. It's better sure, to be a local than a tourist, well, Absolutely. Right? So my whole thought was, I'm not going to be able to learn languages. But if I learn one random weird phrase in all these <laughs> languages, you'll get more respect being a crazy local oh. than a tourist. So I tried to learn the, the cat is in the refrigerator yes. in as many languages as I could. I love so that, that uh, you know, like I'm in Germany, I'm like the cat sits in the Kühlschrank or whatever, and just you just repeat that, and mumble it. Wow. I'll leave you alone because you're you're a crazy local. Interesting. And you're not a tourist. Now, now my trick to that because I also don't like, like appearing as a tourist, but I'm just talking about traveling around America. Is I have this thing, and I actually told the co-author of my book this. I call the catch and release program, where you get there and you go to a secondhand store. And you look for local t-shirts for places that they've been washed several times and well used and you wear those around <laughs> and so you don't look like a tourist because you're wearing a used t-shirt and then so you get t-shirts and some pants and then you donate them back to the second hand store when you leave town so you pack very light when you travel and you look local everywhere you go genius 
Hey, this guy's wearing a Spurs World Championship team. This guy's a San Antonio. That's right. That's right. What if you're like in a terrible area where it's just like all white supremacy stuff? Like, do you buy that? <laughs> you want it? Believe me, you want to appear local. <laughs> That's the best time to do it. I'm going to return these sheets. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't speak Hungarian, but the, the, the phrase that I learned and would say all the time is Ejekirtek, uh, which means I agree with you. That's you perfect. Know. So anytime yeah. somebody says something, oh, I check your deck, you know, <laughs> who's going to argue with that? Like, if you want to hear the whole shooting match, that's Epi 76 of the Grabbing Lunch podcast with Matt Knudsen, which is part of the Sexpot Comedy Network and is also up online at grabbinglunch.com. Succotash suddenly started getting a lot of Twitter love from Corrosive Radio, which has a couple of shows streaming on Internet Radio, which is podcasting's cousin. Even though they're not technically podcasts, I thought I'd pay their kindness forward and offer you a clip from a past Geek Blast show where they had guest Clark Gregg, who you may know as the star of Agent Coulson on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. All right. Um, The new movie you have coming out, can you tell us a little bit about it? Um, after, um, after that Asgardian bastard stabbed me to death in the Avengers, uh-huh. uh, I was uh, suddenly quite out of work and, uh, was, you know, happy because I'd had a great time doing it, but was heading back to what I do most of the time, which is kind of acting in or writing or directing independent films. And, uh, this was a script that I had written, <clears throat> um, prior to the Avengers and, um, I shot it about a year ago, and it premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival. It's a kind of noiry, dark comedy about a loser agent for child actors who everyone always uh, leaves for his kind of cooler nemesis, um, Aldo Stankis, played by the amazing Sam Rockwell. And I just got a bunch of my uh, my friends together to do it. It's got an amazing ensemble cast: Allison Janney, Amanda Peet, Bill Macy, Felicity Huffman, Molly Shannon me and an amazing young girl named uh, Saxon Charbonneau, a guy named Paul Sparks who's on Boardwalk Empire and uh, we shot it in about 20 days for very little money and it turned out uh, really well, I'm really happy with it, it's very unusual and uh, it comes out on uh, Tuesday, May 6th, um, video on demand and then in theaters on June 6th Cool, sounds very cool Now, That's a pretty big cast Clark, to to speak to what you were just talking about, you said you like to direct and, and do your own indie films Mm-hmm. And you're working with Sam Rockwell again? Yes. So my question is, Choke. I saw that movie. I thought it was phenomenal. Oh, thank you. Did, did you read the book and adapt it? Because it was almost taken right from the pages. And I think a you did a better job than Fight Yeah, uh, it was brought to me to adapt. I was working as a screenwriter. I'd written, written this movie called What Lies Beneath. Because I'd come out to L.A. and I wasn't really getting much work as an actor and I was starving a little bit. So... <laughs> I'd always wanted to write screenplays, and I wrote a couple and got an agent and started getting working. Got hired for this big job, which turned out to be uh, this movie, What Lies Beneath. And after that, I was at a moment when I was hot. <clears throat> As a screenwriter, someone brought me this, and I said, you know, I, I'll write it for free, but only if I can direct it. And, you know, five and a half years later, of kind of <laughs> hustling and working on drafts and figuring out where to be faithful to the book and where not to be, uh, we started shooting in New Jersey, and Sam Rockwell was a guy I'd done some plays with and loved, and thought he was a phenomenal actor, and uh, hired him. Yeah, the, and the then movie was Houston and Gillian Jacobs, who's now very well known for Community, and uh, 
uh, a terrific cast there, and it's just something I love doing. It showed in your work. I thought the movie was excellent. Um, I'm happy to hear you work on Sam Rockwell again. He's one of my favorite actors as well. Yeah, me too. All right, um, moving along here. Uh, another question we wanted to know. In the animated series, you you do the voice in that as well? Um, before the Avengers, is that right? Before I think it was before we finished, before while we were filming the Avengers, they came to me and said, look, we're doing this animated show called Ultimate Spider-Man. And, uh, you know, we were starting to listen to some actors to try to match your voice. And we thought, well, let's ask him. And I was like, nobody's being Colson but me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so they hired me to do that. And uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. It's a really, actually a really terrific cast of actors who do that animated show. And it's Principal Colson in a kind of alternate universe where he's undercover managing this school where a bunch of younger superhero Spider-Man and to my great pleasure Iron Fist and uh, a bunch of others are uh, are hanging out and training in the methods of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, it's fun because in the movies I don't get to interact with Spider-Man though I, I am a Spider-Man fan and so I did that for a while and then when we started shooting Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. it was it was not possible to do both so I think Principal Coulson has been on assignment elsewhere right now. <laughs> The show that clip is from, Geek Blast, is currently on hiatus while they recast the hosts, but you can get to the various Corrosive Radio offerings directly from their home site at CorrosiveRadio.com. Now, I don't know a whole lot about Stab, one of the only podcasts with an exclamation point in the title. I do know that it's excerpted from a live comedy show by the same name in the Sacramento, California area, which is just a, well, it's a large stone's throw from San Francisco, where I am. The detail on the show on iTunes says, this rapid-fire comedy panel show about everything gives four comedians three days to write their own personal spins on six different topics. The hosts are John Ross and Jesse Jones, and Jesse was savvy enough to use our direct upload link to send us this clip from a past show where the topic was ISIS. This is Stab. This next segment is called Reorganization. Take these existing acronyms and reimagine them. What does the new acronym stand for? What and or who does it now represent? Jesse Jones. Uh-huh. Um, the acronym you were given was ISIS. Yes. What does it stand for now? Well, uh, ISIS is actually actually a uh, uh, punctuational error. Um, <laughs> by simply adding a comma and a question mark, you get the name of the amateur philosophical discussion group known as Is Is. <laughs> is is defined as the third person singular present of B. Is Is poses the question to its members, do we be? <laughs> And perhaps even more importantly, am we are. <laughs> Some popular lectures from the past have included be we are us or is they are, <laughs> which question the essence of is, our relation, our, our relation to am, and unlocking the potential of be. <laughs> this week we will revisit one of the topics which our group was founded to analyze, is we am? <laughs> what else am is? Because if we truly am, do we be are? (laughs) 
And if the point of am be do, how do is we? <laughs> is do am? Or does we are be by whom we win? <laughs> For when we am most be, are then is, is. <laughs> Since we first was be, us never didn't wonder when what am is. Oh my God. For we am most is, when us be am. <laughs> <laughs> Through the use of proven metaphysical inter- interrogation techniques, such as cognitive thought-hiving... Remote consciousness bullying and verb tense manipulation. (laughs) This thought-provoking discussion series attempts to unravel these age-old questions and more, often ultimately leading to to the questions like, do we even know what we're talking about? (laughs) Or, who brought coffee this week and how much do I owe them? (laughs) So, just to ask yourself, is, is, the answer might confuse you. (laughs) That was reorganization. This still is stab. That sounds like a lot of fun. And I've become a fan of the panel-style comedy show, so I'll be DLing stab for sure. You can check them out at their home site, which is at tbpstudios.net slash stab. Yeah. T T B P S Studios T B P Studios dot net slash tab. I don't know why it's so hard to read. I'll tell you what. If you hop over to suckatashow.com, I have a direct link to them uh, listed on this show's blog piece, and you can just get over there and check out Stab for yourself. Uh, or you can go to any of your usual downloady places and uh, look for it there. And now it's time for a trip to. I chose to exhume this episode's podcast graveyard victim because I realized I hadn't heard from Michael Powell, the host of the Comedy Buffet podcast, for quite a while, nor had I seen any tweets from the show. Well, it turns out the show went tits up a while back. Mike contacted me to let me know he'd just gotten kind of bored with it, but he's cooking up some new concepts and may be back with a different show soon. He's done a great job of hiding the body, as I was having a lot of trouble trying to find a past show to clip for the graveyard, but then I remembered that we'd featured the Comedy Buffet way back in 2011 in our epi number seven. So this is Michael with his guests Jason and Jesse from the Van Full of Candy podcast talking about diabetes. Kentucky Fried Chicken, uh, now known as KFC, because we're, we're too damn lazy to say Kentucky Fried Chicken anymore. Who we carry on our shoulders here at the Comedy We Club. have pretty much. Uh, so anyway, so we got the, the, the Double Down sandwich out here, and uh, that, that, that kind of has been a running topic on our show. So we're no stranger to talking about KFC is what I'm saying. Yeah, but now, now this KFC story comes along where they're going to donate a dollar if you upsize your fucking drink to Mega Jug status. Which I gotta tell you, Bernier, I thought about you while I was doing the research on this. Uh, I googled mega jugs because I'd never heard of such a term. And Don uh, has mega jugs. After several hours of internet searching for mega jugs, uh, I realized I probably should have done that kind of search on your laptop and not my own. Yes, 
Mine actually has it favorited. <laughs> you can type in like just M and it pulls up. Wouldn't you, you just really don't? Wouldn't you just feel absolutely ridiculous asking for a mega jug? Not at all. I'm very cheap. I guess I asked the wrong person. Hey Jason, let By me ask you. It. It's a good deal. <laughs> Would you feel absolutely ridiculous asking for something called a mega jug? Well, that depends what store I'm in, I guess. <laughs> uh, you know, as a as as a future diabetes. <laughs> Victim, Di- uh, diabetic, I believe is what they call that. <laughs> no, diabetes, a diabetes victim, a diabetes aficionado. He, he's having insulin. He needs. He's in shock right now. Give him some insulin. Diabetes is going to hunt him down <laughs> and shoot him from a rooftop a across the hall. I. <laughs> You're just going to be another statistic. Another notch in diabetes belt. Uh, That's right. And then, then we're stealing your dollar, bitch. <laughs> diabetes victim. Oh God, Bernier. And look you at that. Twenty. Along, I sw- your own business. Twenty-five minutes. And diabetes, just drunk, <laughs> drunk out of his mind, blind drunk. Diabetes is gonna swerve into your lane. <laughs> <laughs> going to be another diabetes victim. Bernier, please continue with your, uh, if you were a diabetic, or you're, you are bound to be a diabetic. Have you seen me eat? <laughs> I just watched you eat. It's disturbing. I can hear you eating. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd like to say that I appreciate KFC caring, you know? I really do. In the future, when I'm dying and my arms are, like, my feet are cut off and stuff, isn't that what diabetes victims have? They get their yes, feet diabetes off. ties you up in a basement, <laughs> and it gives you a sadistic choice. It puts the sugar in its mouth. Drink from the straw. Uh-oh. Do you want a dollar? <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, uh, uh, Jason, let me ask you, uh, will, this, will this help diabetes research? Or is this just bringing more kids uh, to be victims of diabetes? I mean, is this is this like the uh, the, the uh, ju- juvenile diabetes research fund way of self-preservation by offering these sixty-four ounce colas? Well, sure. It's like you know, you're you're uh, you know, you're fucking. I can't even think of it. These fat kids. Okay. <laughs> Let's just. J D R F. Jason doesn't riff funny. Oh, ouch! Nailed him. I find myself. Ah! No look. I'm stealing that. This is like the fat children's 401k. Right? <laughs> In their future. Awesome. One soda at a time, or what the fuck they're drinking? What is it? Sweet tea? God damn. How's that? There you go. Podcast Graveyard. So condolences and sympathies to the Comedy Buffet podcast and maybe the van full of candy podcasts as well. I haven't heard much from them since I think April was the last time they had anything going on on their Twitch stream. So... Maybe they're gone too. I don't. I don't know. Van full of candy. Are you out there? Can you hear me? Please contact us. 
We've had a few of our most recent tweets recently kindly retweeted by the boys of the 98 Problems podcast. So I figured I'd do them a solid and clip a recent episode. When I went up to their home site, 98problems.co.uk, I didn't find a whole lot of information about the guys themselves. There's Mike and Alex on the show, and a lot of references to someone named Sammy. Not a lot of other specifics like last names or anything like that. So we're just going to go with what we hear. And that's this clip from 98 Problems Epi 8 entitled Drop Your Trousers. Right. Have you got a caller? Yes, yes. We've got someone on the line. He's a familiar voice. You'll hear him. He's he's certainly got a problem. Shall I patch him through? Yeah, can can you patch him through? Right, I'm patching him through now. Yes, can you just patch him through? Patch through. Yes, okay, thank you, Sammy. Yeah, hello. Hello, uh, uh, Councillor Bob here. Uh, Bob, calling, uh, uh, I've got, uh, got got my own problem. Have you? Hoping that you, you, could, uh, you could help. We have got a, uh, an election campaign, as you well know, for uh, the position of mayor. And I have got some appearances on Televisual. And papers, magazines, etc., etc., and I need to look the business. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm having problem finding trousers that aren't too long because I've got a big but human waist. People are making trousers sort of, they think if you've got a wide waist, if you've got kind of birthing hips, then you've got a long legs as well. And in your case, you haven't. You've kind of got the circumference, but not the length. I, I wouldn't say they're stubs. Um, they are, I am, I am not the size of a wizard, dwarf or elf. Uh, I am human sized. Uh, a little on the short side, yes, but I require pantaloons. Like the rest of them. Where do you usually shop to to get the to procure these trousers? Well, they they there are a number. They they're all guilty. I think the only way we can really solve this is um, I've got the company credit card here. Why don't we head down to a tailor of your choice? We will pay for you to have a custom-made pair of trousers. How about that? That is. Uh, an excellent idea. Thank you very much. That will be uh, be delightful. Right. So, where's that tailor on, on the high street? It's quite a good one. Um, oh, it's like a brown trousers, isn't it? Brown trousers. Yeah. We'll we'll meet you down there. We'll get you a pair. Right. Okay. Uh, see you there, Toodle Pip. The description on the home site for 98 Problems says it's not just two guys chatting into a mic. It's a whole world of characters solving your first world problems. All right. Well, we got a sample there. You can check them out more at 98problems.co.uk or on iTunes. Speaking of dropping trow, as our friends at 98 Problems just were, makes me think we better get to this important word from our sponsor. Friends, are you tired of people not taking notice of you or the way you dress, no matter how much hard-earned cash you spend? Or maybe it's time for a change. A change of pants, that is. Now you can dress to depress with a pair of Henderson's passive-aggressive pantaloons. When you want your trousers to make a statement, but not enough of one to get much notice, except secretly you really do want people to notice, of course, well, you're ready for our passive-aggressive pantaloons. 
pantaloons. Designed with your hang-ups in mind, these pants are designed to take every backhanded compliment and veiled threat with a 50-50 twirl blend of mixed resentment and secret relief. And Henderson's passive-aggressive pantaloons are perfect for those dressy occasions where you wish you'd worn something more formal, yet you're keenly aware of how jealous everyone else is because of how cool and comfortable you look. Passive-aggressive pantaloons are just part of Henderson's new mental instability line. Joining our narcissism slacks, obsessive-compulsive denims, sleep disorder seersuckers, and delusions of grandeur gabardines. Originally designed for head cases like Emperor Norton, Charlie Manson, and the White House Chiefs of Staff, Henderson's passive-aggressive pantaloons are available wherever the walls are padded and the doors only open from the outside. That's Henderson's, making pants like crazy since 1100 and squinge, and now back to Succotash. Thank you, Bill Haywatt, which reminds me, we've not had a uh, Boozin' with Bill segment for quite some time. Um... I've heard Bill's given up smoking now, but apparently he's still drinking. So uh, maybe we can get him at the wet bar in Studio P soon and uh, have another visit with him. At the tail end of our uh, Succotash shows in the past couple of episodes, I've played songs from a listener and contributor named Abner Surd. The songs, well, they're rather unique. Now it turns out that Abner has a collection of stories out there as well, which are available on iTunes in their audio stories. It's actually in the podcast section on iTunes called Tall Tales and Shaggy Dogs. It's a very loosely wrapped bit of business with a bunch of different stories and such. So here's a selection from Abner entitled Arithmafiction. My friend Archie Mead is developing a new literary genre. It's called Arithmafiction. I asked him for a definition. He said it's like science fiction, only it's about math instead of science. I said, I think that describes my budget for this month. He said, only if you made it up. I didn't answer. The truth is, my budget goes beyond fiction. It has more of a supernatural feel to it. As I recall, it contains more than a few ghost numbers. I wouldn't be surprised if my budget constitutes a separate literary genre all by itself. The world's first compendium of paranumeral activity. He said, no, seriously, as a subcategory of fiction, I think arithmafiction has tremendous potential. For instance, I'm working on a novel right now in which numbers are actually semi-sentient beings. They're not completely self-aware. They don't sit in the corner and write sad poems about the nature of numerality, but they are aware enough to possess ambition. All fours aspire to be fives. All sixes aspire to be sevens. This leads to some interesting plot points. I said, do tell. He said, well, I don't want to give away too much, but there's an accountant in the story who always rounds down. The numbers themselves always round up, so the accountant keeps getting one total while the numbers keep showing a different total. It's pretty funny, actually. I said, I'll take your word on that. He said, I'm already planning my next novel. It's going to be the story of two childhood friends, one and three, who grow up in the same building. One lives on the top floor and three lives in the basement, and there's a bar on the floor between them. At first, they get along fine, but that bar turns out to be the most divisive thing in their lives. 
their relationship becomes fractious. Too late, they realize if only three had lived on the top floor, he would have come out of it whole. I said, I can't wait. He said not to go off on a tangent, but I've got so many plots scattered around I can barely connect the dots. So, what are you working on? I said, me? Nothing. I just got back from South Forestan. Did you know they have barking trees in Forestan? He said, no, I didn't. Sounds like geographiction to me. If you want a bit more Abner Surd, hang on just after the end of this show, and I've got another musical piece from him. Brand new song. You can also find him at his home site, abnersurd.com. I didn't even know he had a home site, but now I do. It's Abner, A-B-N-E-R-S-E-R-D, abnersurd.com. If that's too much for you, hop on over to succotashshow.com, and there will be a little direct clicky link in the blog piece for this episode, and you can get right to Abner and give him more of a listen. Our last pod clip for you this episode comes from yet another show that started retweeting us out of the kindness of their hearts. The Broken Filter is a once-a-week internet radio show over on zenlive.tv, and it features hosts Joe Rockstar and Jonesy. Those are their real names, do you think? Joe Rockstar and Jonesy. They're live every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. I think that's East Coast time. And I clipped a recent installment featuring Dave Pounder, the author of Obscene Thoughts and a porn producer and former adult film star. With a name like Pounder, he's got to be good. You know, this guy uh, at the Swingers Club, he was like, hey, have you ever thought about making movies? And I was like, well, why me? He's like, well, you know, you do it in front of everybody. You don't care about being watched, et cetera, et cetera. That's the harder part is getting guys to be able to perform. Giant cock. <laughs> yeah, but it just, I mean, bigger than average, but I wouldn't say giant, you know what I mean? Dave, just, just, thing, out of, just out of curiosity, did this person have a mustache? I'm just curious. Uh, no, no, but you know what? I got to tell you, he did have that kind of quintessential porn look, like everything but the mustache. He had the, the blown out, like, 80s hair. You know what awesome. What I mean? and, he, yeah. and he had, like, he had, like, the old, like, beat-up car that barely ran. You know what I mean? Like, Kick ass. He's yeah. like that guy, right? Hey, so he, boy. He, he did kind of fit it. Hey, boy, but you want to join me for some sex on camera? Come on now. But <laughs> this guy, he wasn't even in the porn business. He was, like, a, he just got paid money on the on the side to, like, bring in talent. But, like, nice. he, he had a regular job. He, you know, he worked for, like, the government somewhere in California. And, uh, anyway, so he, he gets me in touch with this guy, Adam, who is the production manager for Wildlife Video, who was shooting a series called Screw My Wife. I don't know what number they were. Probably number thirteen or something. And they would go and they sent Maurice and Adam to these swingers clubs to basically find real couples, and then they could, you know, the guys like to watch their their wives or the guys, and they would find those couples, identify them, bring them to L.A., and pay them to have the wife have sex with a well-known porn star. So, yeah. what they did with me is they 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 had me pretend to be a husband, and they they, they hired a porn girl made me the husband of her so to speak and then i was getting excited watching her with the other guy and, and the girl actually wanted to have sex with me she was like oh can i have sex with him too i'm like absolutely <laughs> and then they're like well ask the director and the director was like are you tested i'm like what do you mean am i tested i didn't realize you get tested for stds on a recurring yeah. basis so, so i because i didn't have a test i couldn't have sex with this hot girl that wanted to have sex with me i thought oh, this sucks so um <laughs> i ended up you know, networking with everybody on set, getting all of everybody's phone numbers, finding out how they got in the business, who the players are. And then when I got home, I called the testing lab and the agent, you know, the agent that they told me about. 
Um, this guy Jim South at the time. I don't. I don't think he's in the business anymore. But and I was like, oh, you know, wildlife video, call me. I was doing a shoot with them at this specific house. You know, because I knew the address. You know, because it was like a porn house. Mm-hmm. And they told me, I guess I have to call you because they want to hire me to do a shoot. And they never said they wanted to hire me to do a shoot. They just wanted to use me as a husband. But I told the agent, I'm like, you know, they want to hire me to do a shoot. And I guess I have to call you or something. And they're like, okay, come in. And they took my photos and they put me in this big book that all the other producers had. This is before the internet stuff where you, uh, all these agents had websites. So the producers would come in and they would look at the book of talent and they would hire from the book. So eventually, I, then I got uh, my first gig through that and I failed miserably. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Because I, I took care of myself before the shoot because I thought I would last longer. <laughs> and I took oh. care of myself like five minutes before the shoot. I didn't, I didn't realize they had these things called editors. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly, right? And like, you know, when you watch porn, you think they're going for 50 minutes straight, but they're not. You know, they're going for, you know, seven, they take a break, but it all gets cut out and edited in, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I ended up you know, confessing to the director what I did. I'm like, listen, I, I rubbed one out before the shoot. I'm like, here's my crusty endies to verify. <laughs> you know, to the threat. And then he basically was like, all right, I'll give you another chance. So yeah, I got another chance. And then uh, ever since then, everything just kind of took off. And I uh, eventually got enough work that I could quit my job at the bank because I was doing it part-time working or doing porn part-time while working full-time at a bank. Doing so you stopped, credit fucking, you stopped fucking people out of their money and started fucking people for money. There's a little taste of broken filter for you. Catch them live every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at zenlive.com. They're also downloadable everywhere you can think of downloading them from. We've got one more burst of durst to land you all about Labor Day, but first, let's slog our way through the tweet sack. Hello there, Tweety. Let's see what's cooking. First up is a note from John Eater, or Edder, the brains behind the To the Manor Born by Robots podcast. I find that show very entertaining. I've featured it both here on Succotash. I've reviewed it for Splitsider and for Huffington Post. Well, John informs us this week that his show made it to the finals of the 2015 LA Weekly Best of Competition in the Best Podcast category, which turns out is pretty high honors. The only other two mentioned uh, when I looked it up on the online were WTF with Mark Marin and the Tom Likas show. So get on up to LA Weekly website. Let's help to the manner born by robots. Let's help them out. Make your vote now. It's uh, readerschoice.laweekly.com. Readerschoice.laweekly.com. Uh, the link is up on succotashow.com. The deadline to vote is September 9th. So God, get to it. Help that podcast out, won't you? It's one of us. One of us. Our friends at the Sibling Rivalry Podcast have had a pod lift. They've changed their format a bit, as well as their name. The podcast is now called Ear Goggles. It is available by its new name on Facebook, Twitter. They're even up on iTunes already with a snappy new logo. So check out Ear Goggles. We've been putting a little webazine out the past few months called the Succotash Daily. Maybe you've seen it. It gets sent out uh, once a day at 8 o'clock in the morning. It's just some uh, aggregated content around podcasts and comedy and sometimes comedy websites. Uh, you can check it out and subscribe at hirsch.co slash dailysuck, D-A-I-L-Y-S-U-C-C, hirsch.co slash dailysuck, and it will be delivered to your inbox Every morning, come hell or high water, and uh, once again, you can get up to SuckatashShow.com, and there'll be a clicking uh, a clicking link. Is that a real thing? Uh, there'll be a link for it right there. Uh, there's another podcast network forming up. They're springing up everywhere like mushrooms. This time, it's in England. 
It was brought to my attention from our old pal Davian Dent in the UK. It's called the Podnose Network, and it was started by George Grimwood, who hosts the talk show podcast. So we will keep our ears open and let you know what's in store for you there. In fact, I think George is coming to the L.A. PodFest. So I will um, hit him up in the uh, podcast uh, lab. And who knows? Maybe maybe we'll find a home at last. I doubt it. An outfit called PodWallet got in touch with me to see if there's a possibility of doing something together. I hear they help podcasts find advertisers, but it could be more. I don't don't really know anything about it yet. I haven't talked to anybody at PodWallet, but any of anybody out there heard of these guys? Give me the lowdown on the down low if you can, okay? That's uh, the people at PodWallet. What the heck is that? All right, that's going to do it for this tweet sack. Here's the list of people who took the time this past week or so to tweet, retweet, follow, favorite, like, comment, or otherwise pay us some heed and give us some love. Bad movie drinking game. Chunt. Strange times. Adal Rifay. Gormless Mook. Floyd R. Billet. Bunhouse J- Jingles. Schmuckman. Irv Hughes. Salty Language Podcast. Morbid Lobster, Sean Merrick, Reverend John M. Price, Comcastro Podcast, Christine Blackburn, over there at Storyworthy, Samantha Pett, and the Kimchi Chronicle, Quadro Collective, Desiree De Pasquale, uh, DAPF Pod Neal, Jabs from the D-Head Factor, Ed Wallach, Dave in the Cave, Voice, V-O-I-S, that's some other new company. It's a new app, um, and they're meeting with me at the uh, at the Podfest in L.A. They've got some way to record guests uh, directly through an app on the phone or something. Very excited. Uh, Stephen Shahore, Matt Weiss, Ariana Band. You're being a twat. That not you, Ariana. That's another person. You're be- you're being a twat. Illusionoid. EMA Hip Hop Podcast. Radio Rubber Room. Constant Struggle Podcast, Jamar John Johnson, Bree Watson, White Lines, Patrick Riley, We've Got This Podcast, Clint Tannehill, Jeremy Rainbird, Lily Holloman, We Hate Movies Podcast, Bill Sweeney, Leslie Unruh, Stranger Conversation, The Slant, The Angry Ginger, Binary Bombshell, Jen Anaya, Colt Busey, Alicia Sierra, Bet Bernanos, Adam Wolf, Pistol Pete, The Mo Show Podcast, Angla Aurelius, The All Seeing Guys, Afterburn 739, Jeffrey Welchman, New Wave Traders, Melody Pond, Douglas Millar, Phil Lerness, Corey Epps, Casa Mirth, The Big Cat, Hiding from My Wife, Stacy Black, Rocket Girl, Mr. LXC, Brian Flaherty, the Pod Mafia, Susan Rose, Bridget Bisson, Hollywood Rock and Wrap Up, George and Tony, and Ted's Woodworking. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about Labor Day, the Rodney Dangerfield of holidays, the runt of the celebratory litter. 
It's the last plastic souvenir sports bottle of lemonade on the dying coals of summer. The beginning of the end of the bright light and the harbinger of the darkness. Not so much a festive celebration as a marker to indicate the halfway point between 4th of July and Thanksgiving. The place on the calendar where the fireworks are switched out for the jack-o'-lanterns. Hot dog relish and cranberries. Sweaty bangs and frozen nostril hairs. The solstice is dead. Long live the autumnal equinox. As a kid, I was far too busy recoiling from the looming specter of school and the end of my freedom to pay much attention to the meaning or even the name of the holiday. Labor Day, a 24-hour period to honor the American worker. I'm talking about real folks who don't think work ethic is a dirty word, or dirty two words, whatever. That sentiment seems a bit archaic these days, so maybe this is the perfect time to trot out that old chestnut that if it weren't for the blue collars, there wouldn't be any white collars, much less $6,500 Brioni gray pinstripe merino wool suits. Without labor, we'd still be nomads, boiling river water to wash down our nightly meal of beans and mush and roots and moss, getting way too friendly with the livestock. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, there's no fireworks to watch or ugly birds to cook or chocolate-covered bunnies to steal marshmallows from. Just the first Monday of September off for all those ordinary guys and gals trying to make ends meet, raising 2.3 kids while juggling a mortgage and, and trying to cover the monthly cable bill with at least one premium channel thrown in. A day we celebrate what it is that we do for a living by taking the day off from work. Paying tribute not to our founding fathers or our defense industry or some big angry daddy in the sky, but to us, the real American heroes. You and me. Okay, mostly you. Happy Labor Day, everybody. For Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast, I'm Will Durst. Find more Durst at his home site, willdurst.com. He'd love to hear from you as well. And you can also track him down on Twitter, at Will Durst. Hey, that's it. That's right. No more Epi 114 left. I just looked, and sure enough, you have heard it all. Please remember to rate and review Succotash Show on iTunes, like us on Facebook, thumbs up us on Stitcher, and heart us on SoundCloud. You can visit our home site, SuccotashShow.com, to read the accompanying blog piece to this episode, full, chock full, of links to each of the podcasts you heard clips from. You can donate us some money to keep our show going uh, through the Donate button. You can also purchase some merch from the Succotashery. You can even uh, shop at Amazon, click at the banner at the top of our page, and we get a little kickback from them. You can also write me directly with questions or comments at Mark, M-A-R-C, at SuccotashShow.com. Finally, if you're a comedy podcaster would like to upload us a three- to five-minute MP3 clip of your show, you can do it through our direct upload link at Hightail.com slash you slash Suckatash. Thanks so much for listening. Stick around after Bill Haywatt's done for another song from our friend Abner Surd, and we will see you next time. In the meantime... Thanks for passing the Succotash. Goodbye. You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, and on SoundCloud. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. 
Follow us on Twitter at Succotash Show. Email us at marc at succotashshow.com. Or call into the Succotash hotline at our non-toll-free call number, 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Turges. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotash. Goodbye. My dog's named Blue. He's only two. Last night he stunk. He caught a skunk. Woof, 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 Blue's full of spunk. So was the skunk. Blue didn't mind. His nose is blind. Woof, 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 We didn't know. He barked hello. We opened wide. He came inside. Woof, 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 The whole house smelled. Mom screamed and yelled. It won't improve. We have to move. Woof, 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 wo